0: Shares for Beginners. Weekend Watchlist. G'day and welcome back to Shares for Beginners Weekend Watchlist, where we'll be taking a close look at an individual company, sector or ETF that you may wish to consider for your watchlist. It's not a recommendation to buy, but a way for you to learn how experts screen for value. Joining me today is Tony Kynaston from the QAV Investing Podcast and a semi-regular guest here. Hello, Tony. Hi, Phil. How are you? Good. Thank you. Today, we're talking about Medusa Mining, ASX Code, MML, which is an Australian gold and silver miner operating in the Philippines. But obviously, the company's based here in Perth, like any good gold company. What's your observations about Medusa Mining? Yeah, well, Medusa Mining came across my desk
1: recently. It's it's floated to very close to the top of our rankings using the QAV scoring method. And uh, a couple of reasons for that it's really high on the value scores and the mine is, is now in production mode and it's selling lots of gold and the gold price is still holding up. So there's lots of cash being thrown off by the mine and coming back into the company. So we do some mining trades on a price to operating cash flow of less than 1.5, which is very, very cheap. And its PE is two. So very, very cheap again.
0: And it's got a very strong balance sheet. I mean, it seems to be awash with cash when I did a bit of research into it. It
1: does. It has lots of cash and they've paid off all their long-term debt. So it's carrying no long-term debt. So the balance sheet's good. The equity has been increasing for the last three years, which is something else I look at, which is a sign of financial strength. So all in all, it's, um, it's one of these companies that come along and say, this is really too good to be true. What's the catch? And uh, I guess the catch is when you look at the risks of a company like this, which we should talk about, one is uh, the fact that it's based in the Philippines. So you have what's called sovereign risk there, which means that we're not operating under the laws of Australia. No disrespect to the Philippines, but we don't know how often they change their laws and whether they'll adversely affect a company that's not based there going forward. So there's always a risk that something untoward could happen in, in that respect, or tax rates could change or all sorts of things that are out of control of the company and unusual uh, if it was operating in Australia. So that's sovereign risk. i also add that the company's been operating now for many years in the Philippines without problems of this nature. So there's no reason to suspect that they might have problems going forward. The other risk is, uh, I think, that's um, high up in people's minds is that the company operates in the Philippines and the Philippines is dealing with a big COVID outbreak. And so um, in this last quarterly report, which mining companies must do every quarter, They uh, announced that there was COVID lockdown procedures in place in the Philippines, but that their mine was still operating as normal. So they'd managed to find procedures to make things happen still, even though the the locals were in lockdown, and the mine is still meeting its guidance targets for gold production. So that's that's something good, even though uh, obviously COVID-19 is a risk, not just in the Philippines, but everywhere. I guess uh, the, the third risk which I should talk about is the gold price itself. And uh, this company sells gold, and uh, the gold market has uh, pulled back a little bit. In the last, say, two or three years, it's been going up. I think in the last two years, the gold price is up something like 50%. But this year, it's been going sideways, and uh, it dropped back from its highs of $2,000 U.S., announced back to uh, 1800 uh, which still allows the company to make lots of money. Its all in sustainable cost is around $1,300 U.S., So it's got a pretty healthy margin for selling gold. But obviously, if something happens and the gold price drops, then that margin will shrink and that will affect the share price. So this is a classic value play, almost in the Buffett style. And I remember reading a book quite a while ago now about a a British journalist who went to Harvard to do an MBA for a year. And as part of doing the MBA, they have to do a project and turn it in and get it marked as part of their assessment. And so he wrote a book about being a journalist at Harvard doing an MBA and then published it. And it was quite a good read. I bought it because one of the sections in the book dealt with Warren Buffett, who uh, goes to Harvard every year and uh, spends uh, half a day or so with them answering questions. And the summary of the British journalist to Buffett's methodology was basically that find a good company. And when the CEO sleeps with the goat, buy the shares. So basically, he's saying that uh, find a company which has a share price, which has been trodden down a bit, but really isn't affecting the performance of the company and then it's good value. And so this is a bit bit the same, really, that uh, we have a, a company which is on any sort of these metrics, if it was operating in Australia, would be worth a lot more than it is now. Um, but because it's operating in the Philippines with the risks I've outlined, it's it's not really being followed by investors. And, and that's another thing to, to note is that there's no uh, brokers of any note doing research into this company. So we need to do our own research into it.
0: What was that expression, sleeping with the
1: goat? Find a good company, and when the CEO sleeps with a goat, buy the shares. What does that mean, sleeping with the goat? Oh, it it's embroiled in a controversy which isn't affecting the performance of the company. Oh, okay. The classic one for Buffett was the olive oil scandal of uh, the hit Amex back in the 60s, where uh, they were embroiled in a uh, with a, a fraud that was going on where a customer who had borrowed money using olive oil as a security um, didn't have the olive oil um, when it push came to shove and they had to uh, to sell the all to pay the debt back. And uh, that depressed the shares of Amex because they were involved. But uh, you know Buffett knew simply by going out to all the local restaurants that Amex was still being used as a card. And it really wasn't going to affect the long-term prospects of the business, even though the share price was down.
0: You refer to the all-in sustaining costs or AISC. So mining companies, and especially the gold sector, operate under this AISC metric. Can you explain a little bit for that for beginners? Yeah, sure. So,
1: all in sustainable cost is basically equivalent to the cost of goods sold um, if it was a factory that we're talking about. So, it's basically the production cost. And it's a, a standard that's been agreed on over time and it's evolved over time. It used to be called something like the cash cost or all in cash costs. Then it became the all in cost. And now it's the all in sustainable cost. So, so, basically, it covers the, um, the, the cash cost of operating the mine or the operating costs, it covers the overheads and it covers the exploration that needs to be done to keep the mine going because I guess that's another risk to, to mention with Medusa is it's a single mine operating company, and so when the gold's gone, the gold's gone. So one of the things that a company like Medusa has to do is to continually explore in the area to try and expand the mine, and those costs are part of the all sustainable costs. Then there's also financing costs uh, because, again, part of um, of operating the business is that you need to fund it and then there's also um, general overheads and administration. So that's it's, it's a similar sort of
0: cost structure to running a factory. Do you have a view on the price of gold <laughs> going into the future? <laughs> Just getting out the crystal ball and rubbing it? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a view and it's that you can't predict it. So I can tell you what the sentiment is. If you look at the chart for gold, as I said before, it's uh, it's going sideways at the moment, but it's still elevated. If you look at the chart over the long term, it's sort of, say the last three or four years, it goes from lower left to higher right. So I think the the gold price is still in a long-term trend, uh, which is upwards, but uh, it's really fluctuating now because of uh, all the risks that are out there in regard to inflation around the world reappearing, in regard to COVID outbreaks and how they're dealt with. So it, it basically goes up on bad news and comes down on good news. So personally, I think that We're not out of the woods yet in terms of COVID around the world, and and there might be some more bad news coming, but uh, my my score at predicting is
0: pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah, you shouldn't try and predict, should you? (laughs) No. So are there any links or previous episodes or discussions where this company's come up and we can refer to and put a link into the episode notes?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll email you a link, but it was discussed on uh, Season 4, Episode 17 for QAV. It was our stock of the week back then.
0: Okay, and is there any ownership disclosure that we should uh, make at this point? Absolutely, yes. I do own a small
1: stake in Medusa Mining. It, it's it's not an overly large company, but it's it's got about two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand um, dollars average daily trade, so it's a reasonable size. It's not one of my core holdings. Um, I own a small amount in it. Basically, I'm I'm running a bit of a test and trial at the moment, where I which I do from time to time, where I take ten percent of my portfolio and. And, and trial a different method of investing and just see how I go. Still using the QAV score, but in this case, I'm looking to uh, to sell and, and rebalance. So if something drops down my list and drops off my list, sell it and then buy the top most uh, stock on my list. And Medusa Mining was um, pretty close to the top recently. So I
0: have a small holding for testing purposes in it. And um, I'm going to put a little link in the, um, in the episode notes as well that um – If you wanted to join Tony and learn about investing QAV style, if you go to the website and uh, sign in with the promo code SFB, you receive a 20% discount. And um, so uh, I would like to welcome listeners to come and um, join Tony with these learnings. Yeah, thanks, Phil. That's great.
1: We've had a number of your listeners come across, which is really good. and We've got a nice community going now too, which is is being added to all the time, but it's working really well.
0: Yeah, the Facebook group is really good and everyone really seems to be taking to it. The way that I put it is that um, most people should be just looking at ETFs and just going into ETFs because if you want to learn to buy individual shares, it's like learning a language. You need to spend years doing it and years getting it right. And I'm, I'm very happy to, to invite people and recommend the QAV podcast as a great way of learning. Oh, thanks, Phil.
1: And I agree with you. Like, you know, Relatives and friends have asked me over the years where to start. Start with a listed investment company, which tracks the index. It's low fees. As you say, you get to learn the lingo, get to learn what dividends are, how the tax works. Even the basics of opening up a brokerage account and buying. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Work out what your style is, whether you're the kind of person who checks the price every day or puts it away and doesn't check it. And then go up the investment ladder that we talk about. So that's the first step on the ladder. And the second step is constructing your own index. And then the third step is um, working out which one of those components of the index is important. And and then uh, that might lead you to investing um, using that particular component on individual
0: stocks. Yeah, you're an, an, an LIC kind of guy rather than ETF kind of guy. We've spoken about this before.
1: Yeah, I am. Yeah. I, I, I like the idea that uh, when the market turns down, the, the fund is still intact and the fund manager can still buy shares when they're depressed and not have to sell them at the bottom to redeem people who are leaving the market.
0: Okay. And um, we've got an episode, I'll put a link in there, where we have discussed listed investment companies and listed investment trusts, as opposed to ETFs. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Tony Kynaston, thanks very much for your time today. Thanks, Phil. Always a pleasure. Shares for Beginners is for information and
1: educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any
0: investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not shares for beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances, or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast.
1: Hold up. What was that?